You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Unlock Your Potential. So excited to be here. Getting to have incredible conversations with incredible humans. Still a little bit in shock that I actually get to do this and call it work because it's what I would probably do anyways, even if I wasn't working. Today, we are joined by Shaheen Cheyenne. Incredible story, incredible just twists and turns. It reads like a book. I can't wait to get into this one. If you're not familiar with Shaheen, his family immigrated here in 1978 from Iran and uh, moved to LA at 15 years old. He actually went out on his own and he invented, and I remember this because I was like just coming out of high school when this was a big thing, actually invented a, I don't know if we call it a drug because it was totally legal, a supplement, whatever you want to call it, uh, herbal ecstasy is what it was known. And uh, ended up doing over a billion dollars in revenue as basically a teenager. Also went on to kind of pioneer the digital vaporization industry, what we now know as vapes. And also is a huge Amazon seller. That's a world I know a lot more about than the others. But a guy that is just, you know, jam-packed with talents and twists and turns. And Shaheen, I'm so excited to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be on. Yeah. So, uh so glad you're here. Crazy story. You know, I remember. So, so I was real into, uh, like I, I was like a, a chubby kid. Like I was a fat kid, you know, I got picked on a lot as a kid. And so then in middle school, when I, I guess when I was 13, so that would have been 1992, i I discovered the gym and I started lifting weights and I got, I actually like had this like transformative summer where I came back to school and I wasn't a fat kid anymore. And I was actually amazed, although I should also have been appalled at how much better life got just because I was fitter, not fatter, as you know, sad, sad state of affairs that we live in. And so all through the rest of high school, I was super into fitness. And this was like 90s when it wasn't nearly as popular as it is now, right? Like I would read bodybuilding magazines and I love lifting weights with my, my buddies. And we were always trying all the supplements. So we would go into the GNCs and the supplement warehouses and stuff. And we would buy, and that was back, you know, there was like ephedrine and um, I don't even remember all the crazy stuff that, that they had. And, you know, we would basically like get high, like we would get high on whatever we could find. You know, I say get high. It was like, oh, we're taking pre-workout, but you know, they'd stuff stuff. God knows what into the pre-workouts back then. And so that's, I, I just share that. Cause like, that's my backstory. Like I I've done a little bit of research on herbal ecstasy. I know, I remember Ma Wong, like they used to really, really uh, promote like that this had Ma Wong in it, like naturally occurring ephedra and stuff. And so I know about this sort of chemistry world coming at it from like the, the fitness angle in the early, you know, when fitness was really becoming mainstream like that. But like, how did you as a 15 year old kid take these, you know, I guess chemicals and turn it into this, you know, basically like a legal party drug. I mean, yeah. and, and maybe you're probably tired of the story always starting there, but you probably also understand that like inquiring minds want to know. So no great place to start. So for Anybody who doesn't know, I immigrated to this country with my family in the late 1970s. We were refugees, came from a solid middle-class family, came here also getting my ass kicked all of the time because I was also chubby and I didn't speak English and I wasn't from this country and learned some really hard life lessons along the way, but mainly... I think those types of lessons make us stronger. I'm sure you know you're an uber successful internet marketer. You're uber successful at being a content producer and all the work that you do. Probably a lot of that's attributed to you getting your ass kicked when you were oh, kid. Yeah. Not that anybody would ask for that, but that I'm sure as it did for me and you build resilience, build grit, build that ability to be able to say, you know what? You're not going to fucking keep me down. I'm going to rise up and live to the highest level of expectations that I have for myself. And then I'm going to go beyond that. Yeah. Amen. And that's the important thing about that. So fast forward to the time I'm 15 years old, 
thinking to myself, dude, like I want to start making some money. I start looking around me. I see fancy cars. I see guys with the Porsche on the top down, the beautiful brunette and the seat next to them, zooming down PCH to their beautiful house on the beach. I want that. How do I get that? Folks told me you got to be a doctor. Shaheen, be look at Mr. Tehrani next door. He is doctor. It is the most success you can have. I said, all right, how do I become a doctor? They said, well, you know, go ask him. We don't know. So I went there and I looked at the dude and to your credit, dude was fat. Wife was fat. Kids were fat. Everybody was fat because they never got out the house. He did not own his own time. He did not own this big house that he had. He did not own the car that he was driving. More importantly, Jeff, he did not own his hours. <clears throat> so I decided very quickly that whatever this man had, I did not want. I wanted that guy driving down Pacific Coast Highway in the Porsche with the beautiful girl and the, going to his beach house and working when he wanted to. I wanted freedom. So I left home and I started living in LA was going through a building boom at, at the time. Clear, you left home at 15, right? 15. Okay. Cut ties, yeah. no friends, no family, nothing. And I started sleeping in these abandoned construction houses where there was all this construction going on. They built hundreds, thousands of units, but they were empty. So I would sneak in at night, crash, wake up in the morning. Soon, I got involved in the electronic dance scene through the community college that I was hanging out at. I wasn't a student. I couldn't afford the classes, but you get free food there, which was good. So I had food and shelter taken care of. And I managed to get myself a girlfriend and a mentor who coached me. The mentor coached me through getting involved in the rave scene, the electronic music scene, the dance scene that was going up at the time. I began hanging out at the clubs and I started to realize that there was only one person making money at these clubs and it was the drug dealer. Nobody else made money. And secondly, the quality of drugs had gone down dramatically. One in particular, ecstasy, MDMA, almost completely gone because it was coming from Europe and the just say no campaign and the government had really cracked down on drugs coming in from England and Holland. So I take it Americans didn't really know how to make this stuff well. And with the import restrictions, meaning that you know the DEA had cracked down, these drug dealers didn't have any drugs to sell. So I thought to myself, man, if I could make something that was legal, that was natural, that could fit that demand that's there in the market, I would do really well. And what I did was I, like I said, I managed to get myself a girlfriend. Her dad was like some superintendent at some school district, very stuffy job, three-piece suit. He would leave through the front door. She would sneak me in through the back door and I'd be in the kitchen cooking up prototypes. I didn't have enough money to buy the machine to make capsules. So we would roll up the herbs by hand. We would cook them in the oven. And one day after some time, we got a formula that worked, that worked really well. So I found myself in the club pitching it to one of the biggest drug dealers at the time, one of the biggest ecstasy dealers. I was at the right place at the right time. Dude had run out of drugs. He decided, uh, agreed reluctantly to sell it just for the night. Turns out it was the most profitable thing he'd ever done with zero risk. Expanded from one guy to 10 guys to 10,000 guys. A lot of these small-time drug dealers became legitimized. They became millionaires because of me. And Picked up in brick and mortar, Larry Flint, a hustler magazine, started selling it through all the adult stores. We got it through all the new age bookstores. We got it out through 30,000 plus stores in the country and outside of the country. I had offices in Tokyo and Paris and Berlin, all over the world. I wake up one day, it's a few months after I've been sleeping on the beach, sleeping in these abandoned buildings, literally eating tortillas and ketchup and relish that you get from hot dog stands because that's all I could afford at that time. I didn't really have any money. Wake up one day and I am a multimillionaire. I've got a collection of exotic cars. I have fallen asleep drooling on the passenger seat of my new Lamborghini. Not a good look. I was only sleeping one or two hours in that day. I had 200 employees. I walk into the office. Everybody is pale. My secretary at the time, pale like a ghost, she doesn't know how to break it to me. I say, what the hell is this? Why is it a circus here? Why is nobody working? Well, Sam Donaldson with Nightline, the great reporter, 
is outside in a limousine waiting to interview me. CNN, Montel Williams, LA Times, New York Times, everybody wants to talk to me. The news broke that we had surpassed a billion dollars in revenue. This is pre-internet. This is pre-social media. This is pre-iPhone, pre-Silicon Valley. And here I am, a high school dropout. And I say dropout very loosely because I never even attended my first week of high school before I left. I'm more or less a grade school dropout. No idea about business, no formal education, running a company where we just had a billion dollars in revenue coming through the door. I literally walked into my office with duffel bags filled with cash. Most of our business was cash because we were making the stuff, Jeff, for 25 cents, our cogs, and we were reselling it for $20. And I had production facilities set up all over the world. And as quickly as we could produce it, we were selling it. And I, I remember thinking to myself, holy fuck, I don't know how much a billion dollars is. Is it 100 million, 1,000 million, 50 million? I'm fucked. I have no idea how much a billion dollars is. They're going to ask me. It's going to discredit me. I'm a total imposter. I'm fucked. And then everybody calmed me down. They, you know, they, they, somebody told me how much a billion dollars actually was. And then my next thought was, fuck, does this mean I have to get an accountant? Shit. Does that guy actually count the money? And that was a big uh, rude awakening for me when I realized that accountants don't actually count the money. If it's in duffel bags, they don't do that, <laughs> which was very interesting. And that led to a very wild ride that was herbal ecstasy. And, and by the way, I, I write about this in, in my book uh, that just dropped called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. We just dropped the audio book on Audible. So anyone who's interested in hearing more about this story, uh, check us out. Uh, we're available on Amazon and, and all the places. Oh, cool. where when, did, when did that book drop? Uh, it just dropped. So I think last week the book came out. Okay. And then the Audible book just dropped this week. So I, I know most entrepreneurs and business people who are, of course, listening to your show like listening to audiobooks because nobody yeah. fucking reads anymore, except for me. I think I'm the last living person that fucking reads. Um, so if you guys <laughs> want to check out. There's out. actually two of us. Just so Okay. Know. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Come over for a coffee, bud. Yeah, seriously. We'll, we'll sit there and not, not talk to each other. Just read our books. Um, what, what a crazy story. And I mean, I, I love, first of all, I love that it like legit, it was legal. Like you didn't, you weren't like, I'm, I'm sure some people didn't love the idea that some punk high school dropout kid could make all this money doing this, you know, quote, sketchy thing. But at the end of the day, it's legal. It's not. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it superficially doesn't seem like it's hurting anyone. I mean, no. people are going to do party drugs, whether you're supplying them or not. And they can either do illegal stuff that is only channeled through the black market. That's got God knows what in it. Yep. Or they can do your thing. That's actually manufactured above board. Like, are you sure you didn't work for me? I'm that was our whole pitch. You probably saved lives, man. <laughs> yeah, we did. And all the years we made herbal ecstasy, no matter how the the media painted us, and we made a lot of money from the press uh, writing false stories about us. A lot of money. It was very lucrative because they would come out and go, 20 people died at a rave from herbal ecstasy. And I'd be like, cha-ching, because nobody ever got hurt from herbal ecstasy. So when those stories aired, my lawyers were full force and they were paying big settlements and doing big retraction. So it was not only free cash, it was free airtime. So we had a very lucrative business in capitalizing on the lies of the mainstream media at the time. It was great. And eventually they, they learned that they couldn't afford continuing to put that stuff out. But ultimately, and, and every single article that said Herbalexi ever heard anybody was retracted. I've got multiple retractions from every media outlet you can imagine that was retracted. No, it was, it was very safe. You know, look, I now tell people if you're taking any kind of supplement consult with a doctor, I'm not a doctor. I've got the sophistication of a chimpanzee. You should not take health advice from me, but you know, consult your doctor. But I, I believed at that time that it was, it was very safe. So from there, government came after us. We had the mob come after us. I wrote about that in my book. At some point, we had the Japanese mob trying to take over our company. It was a, a very interesting situation where I had to negotiate my way out uh, to the credit of my good friend, Chris and Voss. When you say the Japanese mob, like I'm thinking, I can't remember the name of the book I read, but it was all about like the triads. The Yakuza. 
the Yakuza, like the really nasty. That's who you're talking about? That's who I'm talking about. The one wow. and only. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they were very nice to me. I got nothing bad to say about them. They were very nice to me at the time. I think there were multiple families and we met with the head of one of the families and there was a big misunderstanding where they thought they were taking over the entire company. We only wanted them to sell one brand through some shell company that they had. So it was a, it was a big debacle back in those days. But it was very interesting. You know, when a mysterious man shows up at your office with a uh, duffel bag with a million dollars cash and a private ticket to Tokyo, you might want to reconsider before you take it as a moral of, the, of, of that story. But I, I write about it again in the book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Cult. So anybody who's interested in, in hearing these stories and how we turned what could have been catastrophic failure into success, check that out. From there... I went on to solving the problem of smoking. People have been smoking for thousands of years. Nobody had found a solution. I invented and developed portable digital vaporization, which is the forerunner to all the vapes, all the e-cig technology that you see today. I wrote the book on it. I got several patents on it. That company went public uh, somewhere, somewhere around 2007. I exited just a little bit before that. And from there, I decided to go back into nootropics. And I decided to start building supplements because I'm a father as well. I know you're a father. And we had our, our kid who's now eight years old. And I thought to myself, fuck, man, I got to like get on top of my game because there's all these young guys coming into the game. And now I'm 46. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, back then I was, you know, I don't know, uh, late 30s. I was thinking, dude, I got to like really improve my mental functioning, my mental acuity. And I'm doing all the biohacking stuff. And I came up with this this product, Accelerol, real supplement. Most people don't know. Supplements will list like a thousand ingredients just so they get SEO. You know, as a digital marketer, the most important thing is showing up in search. So they'll they'll use a bunch of ingredients. But if you're actually using a, a, a significant, uh, efficacious amount of any ingredient, it gets crazy expensive. So this stuff cost, we, we got a, a brain formula that worked, that fucking worked great, called Accelerol Focus Plus to this day, still for sale on Amazon. And it cost 120 bucks in those days. It's a lot cheaper now. And I decided, man, I want to sell this stuff, but how? And I started reading up on this Jeff Bezos character. I thought, oh, interesting. It's just a nerd, a Silicon Valley nerd, whatever. He's building this platform. But back then you could email him. He would respond to you, jeff at amazon.com. Hmm. You could call and yeah, a few phone calls. You could get a hold of the guy. He was accessible. He wasn't the richest guy in the world. In fact- When, when, when was this again? <laughs> so, so this would be roughly around 2009. Okay. Yeah. Um, and isn't that crazy that 12 years ago, you could still directly email him? That's not that long. Not that long ago. Wow. His wealth is, his, his big wealth is very new. People don't understand that. It's just, we see him all the time on the news. Right. With that said, I was like, you know what? Let me put this up. They opened up, we, we heard through the grapevine. He's opened up the seller platform to third-party sellers to be able to sell whatever you want. So before you could only sell to Amazon and they would resell it on their own platform. Now, anybody could sell on there, just like eBay. You can become a seller and sell whatever you want within reason. So I thought, okay, cool. Let me list this on there. It took 15 minutes. Didn't think much of it. $120 supplement. Went to sleep. Woke up the next morning. We had thousands of orders. You know this from the digital marketing space. Like when you log in and you do something that works and you're like, holy fuck, man, this is incredible. I woke up to thousands of orders at 120 bucks. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars for a product that I just come out with and just put out. I said, wait a second. This is it. This is the only game in town. Let me research a little bit more about Bezos. There's more to this guy than meets the eye. And when I did, I realized that this was not a chump. This was not just some nerd. This was a guy with very viable ideas to disrupt major markets, just like Piggly Wiggly back in the day, you know, right around turn of the century. You'd have to go into a general store in this country and you'd say, Hey, man, I want some groceries. He'd be like, Great, what do you want? You'd be like, Bread, beer, and soda. He'd be like, Oh, okay, perfect. He'd put it in a bag. He'd tell you how much it was and you'd be out the door. No choice of brands. That's it. Right. You're getting what you're getting. No choice of price. You're getting that. Piggly Wiggly comes around and this guy goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to disrupt the entire industry. We're going to create these things called shelves. People are like, what the fuck are shelves? He's like, we're going to build shelves. You're going to put products in there. We're going to have two or three brands of each product. So now we're creating a competitive landscape. We're going to give the consumer carts. You're going to go into the store with your cart, pick up whatever you want. 
and I've got this machine. What's that called? It's a register. What? Yeah, it's a register. We're going to ring you up on the register and charge you for what you've picked out yourself. It's going to be. And shortly after he did that, there were lines around the corner. There's that dude in the old balls general store sitting there like that in the old photos with his fist on his chin, wondering where the fuck all his business went. Why am I telling you that story? Because that's fucking Jeff Bezos, man. That's what he was doing. Bezos was building this and I saw it. I thought this guy's comes from a Wall Street pedigree. This guy is not a chump. He's one of the smartest guys in the room. This guy has allegedly, and I'll use allegedly so I don't get sued, sacked employees, the top people at Walmart, these other companies to start building this mega infrastructure. Why would he be doing this if this was an experiment? This is not an experiment. This is how commerce will be conducted for the next 20 years and who knows how much further. So I went all in. I said, you know what? I'm putting all my eggs in the Jeff Bezos basket. And I started hiring people, former employees of Amazon. I started learning everything I could about the business and decided to become one of the top sellers on the platform. And we did it very successfully. And then Fortune 50s, Fortune 500 companies started coming to us saying, hey, Shaheen, can you do this for us? We said, they're like, we know how to do disruption marketing. We know how to run TV ads and and burn through billions of dollars, but we don't understand this whole Amazon thing. How is it that a small brand with 10 grand in their pocket is overdoing one of our multi-million dollar legacy brands? So we started helping them out and showing them how to tell a different story, how to use the elements of influence to sell on the Amazon platform. And then what happened was inexplicable to me. People around me started going, dude, like you've had another success again and again. Like, how do I get into this? Like, how do I start selling on Amazon? I said, well, you know, you start an account and you do this and they're like, well, we're doing it, but we're not growing that fast. How did you do it? Can you help me? I said, yeah, but you're never going to be able to afford me. So I invented a course called FBA Seller Course. And it's our Amazon Mastery Course where every day now I teach people, I mentor people, I coach people, people starting from nothing, uh, stay-at-home moms, uh, uh, people that have lost their jobs, people that are looking for a changing career, how to create predictable recurring revenue, foundational income, so they can live the kind of lifestyle that you and me live, travel with our families, have a great time. And while we're doing it, have this money coming in. So I teach people how to start Amazon businesses from scratch, from next to nothing. I teach them how to find a product. How do you identify a product? How do you get reviews? And most importantly, how you tell that story that differentiates you from all those other companies out there. So you can come in, create your niche within Amazon, the world's largest e-commerce platform, and then dominate that niche. And that's what keeps me busy these days. Much like you, I like to travel with my family. We go all over the world. And while we do it, we're making money. So, man, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. Uh, I'm trying to decide where I even want to start. Um, and and I'm, I'm tempted to go right into the Amazon stuff. I mean, again, I, I, we probably would need five interviews or more to get to everything because you just have such a rich story. But uh, Amazon jumps out at me as a thing I would love to talk about. It's it's something that, you know, so my platform, we don't actually teach Amazon, but that's um, not an area that we've ventured into. And I, I get that. I'm, I imagine you don't just, I mean, you know, Walmart has kind of entered the game too in the last few years and they have a platform that allows third-party sellers now. Do you do, do you just do Amazon or do you also do Walmart and even eBay or anything else? Yeah, that's a great question. So I tell my students all the time, once you learn the fundamentals you can take those fundamentals of influence, of digital marketing influence, and apply it to any of the other platforms. I've got students now that are succeeding on Etsy, crushing it on Etsy. I've got students that are crushing it on Walmart, on eBay, on Poshmark, on Mm -hmm. all these different sites, on Shopify, which is growing more and more every day. Once you learn how to influence, how to get that social proof, that reciprocity, that consistency, the scarcity, the likability, all these elements that Caldini writes about in his book, Influence, and his subsequent book, Persuasion, and you know how to manufacture that, how to craft that into a story that you tell where the guy lands on Amazon, now you're not just some chump. You are a decision architect. 
They arrived at your listing because you brought them there. And when they get there and they see your product and they click in less than 30 seconds, the buy now button, because you've done such a compelling job and they think that all of this was their idea and they get on the phone and rave to their friends about the great product that they found and the awesome deal that they found. That's when you know you've done your job right. And by the way, Jeff, for anybody uh, who's who's watching or listening to your podcast, I do have a one hour course. It's normally two hundred bucks. I I will offer that for free. Just so look, I I've I've made my money. I've got my cars. We travel all over the world all the time. We go first class. We've got our houses and the beach houses. We've got all that stuff. Now my goal in life is two things. One, to be a family man and to be a good father to my son and to encourage and coach him. And two, to impact as many people as I can to stop selling their fucking hours. The greatest injustice that's been done in the last hundred years to entrepreneurs is this idea that you have to sell your hours to make money. And this is a doorway. This is a window to freedom for so many people. And I'm so fucking excited about getting people to start these businesses. You don't need any real money to do it. You can do it with limited time. But if you can get out there and just take a little piece of this real estate that Jeff Bezos has put out there for you, and by real estate, I mean an Amazon business, that's something that can grow in five years, 10 years' time to becoming legacy wealth for you, even shorter timeframes. Now we've all heard about these Amazon aggregators, these companies that are buying these Amazon companies. And now my students are are all absolutely giddy about the fact that there's been $16 billion, maybe more, come out of Wall Street now to buy these Amazon companies. And they're trying to roll them all up and put them all into these public uh, public businesses where they'll be worth even more. So if you had, when two years ago, I was telling people to get into Amazon or five years ago, tell people to get into Amazon and you had created a business. And let's say you got that business to the point where you create a million dollars in revenue. You might now be sitting on a company that's worth 20, 25 million. We saw one company go for $25 million just the other day. So this is happening and you can't win if you don't play. And my goal now is to get as many people excited about that as possible. I respond to every single email. I've got a great staff. I do GTD, uh, getting things done, thanks to David Allen. Yeah. So if, if, if you want to email me, I'm darkzess at gmail.com. That's a private direct email. Mention the show or mention Jeff, and we will give you the $200 course for free. No obligation, no credit card. You'll never hear from me again if you don't want to hear from me. But Get involved. Start an Amazon business. Get your wife, sister, cousin, kid, everybody involved in this because now is the time where entrepreneurs, change makers like us need to be getting out there and staking our claim. It's like homesteading. This is the ground floor right now. Sitting here just post-COVID 2021, we are ground floor right now for becoming an Amazon seller. Well, that first of all, thanks for the, the generous offer. I know that a lot of the audience is going to take you up on that. That's really cool. Um, I want to actually briefly touch on this this uh, Amazon aggregator thing you mentioned, and then I have questions about Amazon um, in general and the business model and the platform and such. But so you mentioned these uh, these acquisition companies, and for anybody that doesn't know, that's something that I because I have a, a digital education company that's exploded in the last two years. I've actually been contacted by people that represent these. They're called SPAC, special purpose acquisition companies, which is like a bunch of money in a public entity that was created for the purpose of acquiring multiple smaller businesses in a certain category, rolling them all up, aggregating and combining their their revenue and their their EBITDA, their earnings, and then being able to capitalize on an increased multiple based on the economy of scale of putting a bunch of these smaller entities together. And there's a lot of money if you can sell your profit into one of these structures uh, again, it's something I've been contacted about for anybody that get, cares about these things. No worries. Entra is not planning to take advantage of it. We're, we're, we're going to be fine standalone. But for, for like, yeah, you're right. I mean, somebody make, builds an Amazon business and maybe gets it to, um, you know, 2 million or let's say 5 million a year in top line. And maybe that's a million in EBITDA. 
uh, like you mentioned a company that sold for 25. What was the, the EBITDA multiple on that? Do you know, like how much actual profit? It was over 20 times. It was over 20 times. So they were like roughly a one to 1.5 million EBITDA and they sold for 25. Yeah. I'll tell you the stories. Yeah. I'll tell you the story of what, what's happened with all this. If you're in, is this, is this something that you're interested yeah, yeah. in? I, I, here's the thing. I, my rule for my shows is I have the conversation I want to have. And if I've attracted the right people to my show, they'll want to listen to what I'm interested in. So yes, please. And otherwise, fuck them. They can go somewhere else. <laughs> With a, resp a respectful fuck them, but yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. As, as respectful as we can be. So look, so this is what happened. So as, as Jeff was explaining, Amazon companies were frowned upon several years ago. They, in fact, when you sell a business, you get a multiple of your EBITDA, which is your earnings after all your taxes and expenses and all that. Well, or, or before I should say. So what, what happened was, was people were coming in, buyers were coming in and they'd be like, look, you're only selling on Amazon. That's risky for us. If Amazon goes away, your business is fucked. You're going to have to be scurrying around like a squirrel looking for a nut that doesn't exist possibly. So we're only going to give you two times your earnings. So you're making a million bucks. We'll pay you 2 million for that company. And maybe half of it is going to be on four letter word earn out, right. which means that they'll pay you based on your, your predictions of where the company is going, the representations that you're making at a later time. So they'll be like, we'll pay you out of the earnings of the money. And a lot of people have become incredibly wealthy buying companies with their own money, meaning buying the companies with the company's money and paying right. them out of that for the purchase of the company. That's a, a known strategy. I know people that have become multimillionaires. One guy has become a billionaire doing that. Now, if you're one of these guys who's got these Amazon companies, you might be like, oh, fuck, well, I've worked this hard. You know, we got a million dollars a year that, that I'm bringing in EBITDA. I'll sell it for two million. I'm tired of this shit. I'm going to go if I can sit on an island. Two million is enough. I'm going to go to Ecuador and sit somewhere, you know, or I'll go sit in Guatemala or you know, whatever, some cheap place. Two million got me. I'm covered for life. Those were the first people that sold. Shortly after, people start realizing wait a second, this Amazon thing isn't going anywhere. In fact, it's getting bigger. And look at the share price. Holy shit. And all these CPG brands want to get into this fucking Amazon game, and they don't know how. Quickest path is to buy a company and plug your products into it. So the competition got bigger, and the sellers, the people who've started these companies, got a little smarter. They said, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to sell to you for two-time multiple. I want four. And then the more of these companies, these SPACs and aggregators, that were coming in, they start raising more millions and millions of dollars. They have to deploy to buy these companies, but the companies are holding out. They're not, they're not selling anymore for the cheap price. They're like, we now, what you saw as a weakness some years back is now a greatest strength. These aggregators, these SPACs are looking for Amazon only companies. They see it as a weakness if you're selling in brick and mortar. So they don't want diversification. They want just Amazon because they know you're focused there, you're weighted heavy there, and that's where they want their win to be because that's the biggest game in town and they know it's not going anywhere. Well, and, and SPACs have charters that dictate they can only acquire companies that fit certain parameters. So yeah. So if that's their charter, then they have to find companies to buy or else they default on their commitments to their, their investors. That's right. For anybody who's taken investment, you know that the last thing investors want is for the money to be sitting in the bank. It's a kiss yeah. of death. I've taken investment before in the past and it's, you know, you, you will never get an angrier call. You would be better off losing the money than having it in the bank too long. Right. So what happens? So the prices keep going up. You had a two-time multiple, now it's four-time, now it's six-time, now it's eight-time. Now you got a company that's offering Teslas to anybody who's bringing them deals. You've got these guys doing lobster and steak dinners for people who, to, to butter them up, to get them to sell their companies. And eventually, we are now seeing billions of dollars, almost, I think, 16 billion plus, if I'm not mistaken. I was just talking to a reporter at TechCrunch about this. Um, we were talking to somebody over at CNBC about this as well, that you know, there's this money coming in. It's billions of dollars. But guess what? It's getting harder and harder to sell on Amazon. Why? Because Amazon has restricted their most valuable thing, which is reviews. You notice old products that are on there have 30,000, 20,000 reviews. New products, a lot less 
because it's a lot harder to get reviews. Amazon tried to clear all bad reviews, meaning all fake reviews. But what they did is they took out a bunch of the real reviews while they're doing that because their algorithm isn't perfect. And by doing that, they shut down the ability of a lot of well-meaning people who weren't doing anything wrong, weren't leaving fake reviews to ever leave reviews again. So it has become increasingly harder to get reviews. It has become increasingly harder to get a seller account going. We teach people how to do it every day, and it's not the thing that should dissuade you, but it just means that you have to put more work into succeeding on Amazon. So to get from that zero to million dollar point where these guys can acquire you for a, a significant amount of money is taking longer, but they're getting the money faster. $16 billion. One company alone raised over a billion dollars, according to TechCrunch and a bunch of these other companies. So now these guys are sitting on this money. They got to deploy it. It can't sit in the bank. They can't sit on it forever. There aren't that many companies out there that have grown. Because remember, if you're at a million dollars EBITDA now, you likely didn't start that uh, a year ago. You likely started that two or more years ago. So now they're looking back at companies that have these metrics and looking to buy them, and there's fewer and fewer. What's that do? Supply and demand. It's bringing the value of these companies up. And we're seeing things like this one company sale, which I can't talk about the name of the company um, or any of the details because it's uh, under NDA, but we're talking about a 20-time plus multiple. We're not just talking double-digit multiples on selling these companies. We're talking about way more than that. If they want to get a hold of a crown jewel, they want to get a hold of a company like Matcha DNA, one of our brands that's crushing it on Amazon, one of the top uh, tea companies there, uh, Accelerol, one of the top brain supplements on Amazon. You want to get your hands on a company like that, that's grandfathered in, that's got sales, that's got the fanatic fan base, all that stuff, you're going to be paying for it. And not only that, you're going to have competition. So these companies are now coming and they're going, okay, we're going to give you double-digit multiples plus to put us above the last guy who came in trying to buy these companies. We're going to also give you a piece of the back end. We're going to give you an earnout based on our projections or your projections of the company. So there's never been a better time to be an Amazon seller. And guys, it's not going to slow down for a while. So now is the time to get in there and and put your stake on the ground and get that beachfront piece of real estate that you can claim for free now. It's not going to be the case in five years or two years time. Yeah. You know, it's really very similar to, you know, like being a real estate developer, you go, you know, you buy a piece of land, you have a vision for it. You put in all the sweat equity, you build, you know, let's say you buy a plot and you build a, a small 20 home residential community on it, you know, and whatever you, I don't know, well, in that case, you'd sell it. But, you know, somehow my point is, and maybe residential is not the best example. Let's say it's commercial. You build out a ter you know, an area, you do ground leases or you build the suit, whatever. And at a certain point you go, all right, this is a going concern. It's got a couple years of performance. I'm going to flip it to a private equity group or a real estate investment trust or something. And I'm going to go do my next deal. Right. So, the, and that's really the model you're describing. You're just talking about, and we use this term all the time, really digital real estate instead of physical real estate. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because I was going to ask you questions based on the chatter I hear around Amazon about how it actually has gotten harder, um, to get lot, you know, to get, uh, you you know, you hear about accounts getting closed. It's harder to get reviewed. They used to just be able to do mass product giveaways and get thousands of positive reviews, you know, for giving away free product. You can't do that anymore. Um, I've heard these, but I've heard these, you know, sort of warnings or reasons not to do Amazon. But what you're saying is the fact that it's a higher bar now means there actually are fewer people entering it. It's harder to do. So once you do get traction, because there's this demand to find good Amazon third-party sellers, you have a secondary market basically waiting to make you rich if you're willing to do the work. That is true. You know, it's, it's interesting. I live here in Venice Beach, California. I'm a big fan of beachfront real estate. Some Somebody I met a long time ago told me, hey, you know, I said, you know, like you're, you're really wealthy. This is when I had no money. I said, what's the secret to wealth? And he said, you know, for me, it's a, it's a lot of things. It's all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, where you want to put your wealth is beachfront real estate because they're just not creating more of it. And eventually, if you're putting your money in beachfront real estate, you do well. So I spent a lot of years after I made money buying beachfront real estate. And now I own a bunch of it. I owned a, a beautiful property right on Malibu Celebrity Row. 
And there's a term in beachfront real estate where they tell you it's it's grandfathered in and yeah. it can it can never be replicated. So there's these guys. So one level is buying a piece of land and building on it. Very expensive on the beach. But there's another thing where there are these properties that are just crazy. They were built 50 years ago and they can never be duplicated again, never build like that again. Because back then the rules were different when they built those houses. So those properties are worth two times, three times, 10 times, whatever someone's willing to pay. Because there's only so many of them that were built 50 years ago. And similarly, I draw the corollary to our business now on Amazon is that these old companies, these legacy companies on Amazon are the real legacy brands. And it doesn't matter if they're paying 10x or 20x. Look, if you're Unilever, if you're Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, any of these big companies, and I I just use these names as an example, so please don't anybody sue me. And you come in and you buy one of these Amazon companies. And let's say, because now what we're seeing is strategics coming in and, and grabbing these companies, snaking these companies away from the aggregators by offering more. Before they were like, oh, we don't know. It's just Amazon. Now they're coming in. They're like, you know what? The aggregator offered them 10X. Let's just offer them 15 and take it from under them because the aggregator is not going to go that high. If you are one of these big companies and you come in and let's say you pay 20X, like the example we showed you earlier for one of these companies, and you realize that value 30 times, 40 times, 50 times just in your share value, or if you're about to go IPO and you get a crown jewel brand like that, and it, you know, let's say you, you drop 20 million on that, but once the IPO happens, that brings in 100 million in added value, mm-hmm. you're the one that's laughing. You're laughing all the way to the bank with a deal like that. That's why those kinds of transactions make sense. And we're going to see more and more of that. Everyone's focused on Bitcoin right now. People are like, oh my God, you know, it's going to go to a hundred thousand. It's going to go to a million. Watch Amazon companies and watch what they go for. We are just in the ground floor and man, they're not building new companies two years ago anymore. So the, the supply of them is getting shorter and shorter, and the value of those companies is getting higher and higher. So now is two years ago. Start your fucking Amazon company. That's what I tell people to do. And, and by the way, I don't know if I gave my email again. It's darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Mention the name of the show or Jeff Lerner. Lerner? How do you pronounce your last name? Lerner, L-E-R-N-E-R. Lerner. I love that. So just put Jeff Lerner on the subject heading and I will give you the $200 one hour course for free. That's why you should listen to this show, folks. You get uh, amazing offers like that. Um, yeah, I, so, so just to be clear, just to kind of put a fine point on it, you think that right now is an ideal time to start an Amazon business because although it's going to maybe be harder than it was five years ago, it's going to be worth 10 times more than it was five years ago to push through and make it work. And you still think that somebody could get a, a viable Amazon business going within a couple of year, a year or two? What, what do you think is the time horizon? You can have a vi- I've had people make a viable business in 90 days. Okay. But in order to get it sales worthy, you are going to need one or two years at least. But we know one thing. We don't know if you're going to succeed or fail. The majority of people fail, mainly because they don't try. The majority of people who try also fail, not as much, but at least they tried. What we do know is that if you don't quit, if you have grit, if you have resilience, what we've talked about, and you use a proven system, one that never fails, your chances will be a lot better. And that's what we teach. And the fact is entrepreneurs have a tendency to want to work in a vacuum. People are like, oh man, I've got this great thing. I'm going to try to figure it out by myself. And then they end up fucking up over and over again. And they're like, shit, man, I can't figure it out. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. But the ones that succeed are the ones that are like, you know what? Let me create a mastermind or join a mastermind. Our our course includes a mastermind. let me get a mentor. Let me find somebody who is where I want to be, and I will influence them to coach me to get to where I want to be. 
if you follow that principle, that direction, it becomes a lot harder for you to fail. And when you fail, that failure just brings you a little bit closer to success. Eventually, you break through. Eventually, you make it. And that's the trick to all this stuff. There's no hack to hard work. You have to get out there and do the fucking work. You have to seek failure. You have to go out there and go, okay, I'm going to do it intelligently, but let me try. And I know I'm going to fail. I'll fail a little bit, but I'm going to learn from that. And then I'll tweak it a little bit. And then I'll tweak it a little bit. I'll fail a little bit less and a little bit less until one day I'm succeeding over and over and over again. And you've got that predictable recurring revenue and you can walk into your job and give your boss the middle finger and tell him to fuck off because you now have FU money. And that's, that's the ultimate freedom. We talk about freedom, being able to do what you want with who you want, when you want, and how you want. And until you have that, you don't have freedom. You're that fat fucking dude with the fat fucking wife and the fat fucking kids in the, in the house that the bank owns. And you, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You don't have that freedom. You don't have that lightness of existence. And by the way, guys, I, I say all this um, with a sense of humor. I say it to be taken lightly. So please I don't, don't think I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. I think in today's world they'll cancel you for for making jokes. So That's okay. I'm okay being <laughs> I'm I'm okay being canceled because much like you, I feel that the the right people who are inspired can actually sense the energy of the message that I'm sending well, out and and take that to heart. Rather and that's than, the point of FU money. I mean, you called it yeah. what it is. It's FU, you can't cancel FU money because, I mean, look at what look at Chappelle. He's like, oh, you're going to cancel me? Great. I'll go on tour and cancel all of you. Like, because he doesn't care because he's freaking comedy. He, he Comedy Central couldn't buy him for $100 million. What, how, how is somebody on Twitter going to tear him apart? You know, like, and, and I, I'm totally with you. And, and I, I, pick, I certainly pick up your, your tone, even if, and, and I suspect everyone else does too. Um, we have a pretty cool show, a pretty cool audience on this show. Our, our audience is very on the level and they can appreciate, look, you know, entrepreneurship is raw. It's gritty. It's messy. It's dirty. It's human. It bleeds. It sweats. It cries. It has all the bodily fluids and, uh, and, and, and we don't pull, we, we don't pull punches and we don't equivocate about that here. Like if you want you know, the, the mainstream news is happy to deliver you this manicured and curated view of life that's bullshit and everybody listens to it. And that's why they're all exactly like you're describing. They're all living in houses that the bank owns because they bought into a system that, you know, might, might, might have questionably made sense 50 years ago, definitely doesn't now. That's, I'm about to publish a book called Escaping the Broken System. I mean, by the way, you and I could talk for hours because we're totally ideologically aligned. And I'm at the same point as you. Like, I just want to be a good dad and a good husband and help, you know, lead millions of, of people to the promised land. And, and hopefully some of those millions of people will actually take action and, and build their, their, you know, their, their own whatever fiefdom in the, in the promised land. And that's all. That's, all, that's why we do what we do. So this is, man, this is incredible. I got to ask, since you live in Venice, I'm sure you're familiar with there's a little row of houses in Santa Monica, just if you jog up the beach, come out of Venice into Santa Monica. And it's the row of houses that are pretty well known from the Grand Theft Auto game. Oh, yeah. You know, a little GTA house. Row. Right, right. Yeah. So every summer, my family and I, we rent one, we call it the GTA house. We rent it for uh, a week. I take a bunch of kids down there and we hang out. So that's, I'm guessing that's what, a few miles from you? Uh, yeah. Is it the one with all the flowers on it and it's white and it's, it's right on the beach? Uh, it's right on the beach, but the one we rent is, I know the white one with all the flowers. It's down a little bit more. It's one of the three-story ones, very vertical. And it's, uh, it's orange, it's painted kind of a burnt orange color. Okay. Yeah. Things have changed since COVID. So a lot of paintings going on, but yeah, yeah but I'm anyway, sure. Next time I'm my point is next time I'm down there, we jog down the beach to Venice all the time. So I let's might, do it. Uh, I might let's get that. a workout. Let's get the kids together. We were talking before the show, or maybe it, was, maybe it was after we hit record, that you and I are like two of the only people in the world that actually read books anymore. So <laughs> we can just meet up and read a book or something. But, um, well, dude, this has been amazing. I, I know technically we're actually over time, so I have to wrap it up. But uh, I, I hope we can do this again. This has been so cool, and I'm, I'm so intrigued by, the, you know, hearing. I, I really appreciate I just want to say this, you know, for the, for the audience out there. You, got, you may not have done as much 
digging on the concept of Amazon businesses as, as I have, because as you know, I own an educational platform for all different types of entrepreneurial businesses. Um, I'm super, you know, if something's good, I want to, I want to have it in my ecosystem. And the reason I've stayed away from Amazon is because I have found a lot of too good to be true, kind of overhyped, you know, people, people that are really, you know, selling it from a place of hype and, and kind of vacuous pro over promising, almost like guarantees of success, which is never good. And any business that tries to remove all risk from the conversation is probably too sketchy. And then on the flip side, I have people going, Oh, Amazon, da, 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 and they, and they, they kind of dump all the negatives. You're actually the first person I've talked to who has a ton of experience and expertise on Amazon. That's actually speaking to both sides. You're very matter of factly talking about the challenges, talking about the risks, talking about, um, the fact that it's not as easy, the changes, that it's a dynamic environment. And it's not what it was years ago, but you're also, nobody's explained to me why that actually for the gritty person, the, the true entrepreneur that'll, that'll actually lean into that and do the, the work that it demands, that actually creates opportunity for that person. And nobody's painted that picture for me to date. So you're actually the first person that has me going, okay, now I understand why maybe I should have Amazon in my world, because even though it's not as easy as it was five years ago, ultimately what we're all about in my world is teaching people how to build real generational wealth. And, I, and if, if you're building a business that already has a secondary market you can exit into, now you've got my attention. Yeah. I, I just appreciate that. I just want to say that. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate that. And for anybody who's watching, if you're interested in the course, is fbasellercourse.com. FBA standing for Fulfillment by Amazon. Get us through there. My website, shaheenshayan.com. We also have a podcast, which I was telling you about, which we should get you on at some point, called Hack and Grow Rich. Check us out on Instagram, on uh, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found. And if you want to reach out to me again, guys, reach out to me directly, get the course for free is darkzess at gmail.com. That's D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Jeff, I really appreciate you having me on, man. Man, this has been so much fun. It's, it's mutual. Thank you so much. And of course, to all you viewers and listeners out there, thank you. You are the best part of this show. You're why I do what I do every day. I'm so grateful that I get to make a living and make a life doing this. I will see you on the next episode, everyone. Take care.